Hi again, friends and folks and everybody else out there in Unscripted land. Uh, welcome to this 296th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Um, interesting, obviously, as you're sitting there, um, I have an interesting question that I always like to pose at this time of the year because I think it's ridiculous as we get all excited about Super Bowl 53 coming up in about, what, 10, whatever days it is now, about 10 days or so from now coming up in Atlanta game that's going to be uh, played between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. Go Rams. Um, any point spreads you've seen? It? Yeah, so when the point... Uh, I always monitor that stuff really yeah, closely. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, so when it first came out, they actually had the Rams favored um, at around, you know, depending on where you looked, about a point. And then, uh, of course, everybody just saw the Patriots look like the old Patriots again. And so, of course, the whole public just started betting their face off on the Patriots. And now, last I looked, it was up to uh, Patriots minus 2.5, which is great because I don't want the Patriots being underdogs and then right. getting all motivated like that. I don't want that. So right. I definitely want them favored. Right. Yeah. But it's that, you know, I, I do believe, I'm sorry, and and if Jane Goodell's husband doesn't like what I'm saying or... Uh, <laughs> I used to say call a quarter and call someone who cares, but there are no phones anymore that just are for a quarter. Um, but call somebody who cares because I think that at this point of the season, um, two weeks between the game, I've always had a problem with that. I, I think that's really yeah. I, I, I that's perfect. I, I think it works. Perfect time for the Pro Bowl. I, uh, Take your time. But I like see, it. I don't. I don't want the. That's what I'm getting to. That's what I was getting to. I am a total advocate of dissolving the Pro Bowl. Oh, that's fine. Sure. I think the Pro Bowl is a waste of time. I think the Pro Bowl potentially could injure players in an in you talk about an absolutely worthless game. Acknowledge everybody, give them a little jacket, give them a certificate, give them a bonus, give them something, give them some recognition. But the Pro Bowl is an absolute waste of time. Um, and I don't think we need that extra week. I think that the we've been hyping the NFL. Well, let's see. Pretty much since last March, when they went into this, you know, fiscal year of their budget, it's a year-round thing. It's, it's. I, I'm. I don't. Two weeks is overkill. I really believe that. How much can we bring up the history, and and all of a sudden we become so obsessed with finding information is when we find out that, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, Todd Gurley has a has a fetish about wearing women's clothes. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean. We're so obsessed with knowing everything that we possibly can, can and we can, and every nugget of any juicy little nugget of information we're looking for, and it becomes redundant and boring. Um, I think after all the hype and all the bullshit and the nine hours of pregame warm-up before the game even starts, I think there's a reason the first quarter of the Super Bowl usually sucks because they've got to get actually get used to playing football again after a two-week wait. I think one week would be sufficient. Dissolve the Pro Bowl. Give everybody a participation medal and send them home. I don't care. Um, everybody of, not everybody, but a, a good majority of the names always find a way to get out of the Pro Bowl anyway. Well, let's see. I, I got a broken fingernail and Gus, our head, uh, tra head trainer, will sign me a note so I can get out of the Pro Bowl. Um did you? See, I'm sorry, I got to go off topic here as I think about this. Did you see where Ovechkin is getting suspended? No. Ovechkin is refusing to play in the All Star game. He needs the rest. He's saying because 
obviously his his last season went long into June yeah, when they yeah. finally won, and then of course the four mar- four months of partying yeah. to celebrate. <laughs> He's tired. And he is not playing in the All-Star game, and the National Hockey League has suspended him for the first game back February 1st after the break, and that's the game he will miss against the Calgary Flames. Well, it's pretty funny, though. Oh, great. It's against Cal. Oh, great. Oh, stupid. Now the Flames are going to be the new Patriots. Everything breaks their way, but I think that's pretty funny. I need more rest. We don't want you to have more rest. We're suspending you. Your punishment is more rest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. I just, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers has begged out. I mean... It, Brett Favre was devoted to 11 Pro Bowl games, played in about two. Well, with the NHL, even though it's also a joke of a game, you don't really ever hear people getting hurt in the NHL. Well, All-Star no, because game. they're not. They're they're obviously trying to limit the the hitting, and they're trying to. And the skills competition are a big thing about it. And and you know, I get all that. But how can you go half-assed in the National Football League? Well, the thing is, they do obviously take it back a bunch of notches well, for sure they do but that's again when injuries happen but i think well and that's part of the problem too yeah with football you just can't really get away from it completely tyler eifert's never been the same right. ever since his injury Correct. there excellent point yeah totally excellent uh, yeah. point no i i'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying about the pro bowl it is silly and a waste of time and i don't watch it um i will say though it feels wrong to have it not in hawaii I have yeah, to, it really. Just, I, oh, yeah. it's in orlando i don't know something's wrong about that well, you it know, just, it's funny you say that though yeah and part of the reason i think is that when Liv was there uh, a year and a half ago or so, they toured the Honolulu Stadium. And I think the reason it's not in Honolulu anymore is that stadium is a piece of shit. And, and it's falling apart. That's probably a good part of and it. And I yeah. think that's part of it, for sure. Yeah, so I, I, I don't disagree with anything there, but I don't mind the two weeks for the Super Bowl. I get what you're saying about having to warm up again. Uh, I do like that if there's anybody who needs the extra rest, they want to, I think they're trying to make sure everyone's at their best, like, you know, and healthy and can play, give them the extra rest and the extra time to repair. I don't mind the two weeks. And if you're not going to put the Pro Bowl in that middle week, I guess you just don't have anything unless you have moved the all-star game, move the draft up a few months. Like what if they had the NFL draft in that week, in the middle week? Oh my God. Well, there are some college pro bowl games this weekend. I know the senior bowl is this weekend. We're in Mobile, Alabama, where a lot of the NFL scouts, scouts, excuse me, are. But again, I don't want to watch. I, 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 no, I don't want to do it. Um, (laughs) I don't want to do it. Uh, I'll be watching the NHL all-star game because at least there's some excitement and I, I enjoy the skills competition thing. Um, college basketball, NBA will be prevalent this weekend. Uh, they'll be, if the smart, if they're if the television, television people are smart, they'll schedule some extra games in that regard just to, to make up. I mean, I just, I know, and you're right. You bring up very valid points. I think the other thing though, is that it gives the national football league two weeks of free marketing to publish and and promote their game and all this other stuff, and I think it's overkill. Um, I'd like to see the game in one week, keep them on the same rotation that they've been on or the same basic cycle that they've been on, and I think ultimately that extra week sometimes hampers. I mean, you look at... I don't mean to belabor the point, but I think I have something relevant here. For many years, the team that was in the bye lost that divisional game because of that week knocked them out. They didn't that didn't they didn't they didn't get it. They didn't they they were on a roll. See, I think that and I mentioned this to you briefly when we started here today was 
going back to our friendly team down on Olympic Way, when they come off this 10-day break, Calgary is now with the All-Star break, and then they've got their mandatory five-day break in the NHL season schedule. They've got the next 10 days off. They don't play till February 1st, coincidentally enough, against the Washington Capitals without Alexander Ovechkin. But I think the Flames will suck that first game. They will suck that first game because 10 days, you can have 10 days of practice, which they won't. There'll be some drinking, there'll be some partying, some guys are going to take off, go to a warm spot, play some golf, chase some girls, do whatever. But they're going to do it. But when they get back and they start practicing again for the second half of the season, you can practice until the cows come home. But actual practice reps are different than game reps in any sport. I don't care what anybody says. I, I would be adamant with that. They can put that on my gravestone sometimes. Practice is different than the actual, you know, practice bullets are different than game bullets. And I think that first game, uh, the Calgary Flames are going to suck. They're going to get their ass kicked. And I think that ultimately, sometimes, and I just... From recollection, I know it's happened to Green Bay. It's happened to other teams too. Happened to a, a number of teams over the years. I uh, wish I had more examples, but you'll have to believe me on this one. I think sometimes when they have that bye week after being on a regimented schedule for so long, and then they have that that week off that only two that only two of the or four of the whatever teams, sixteen, whatever it is. I think sometimes the bye week takes you out of, out of rhythm a little bit. I agree, and this is the same reason that a lot of guys don't like to rest. Uh, a lot of coaches don't rest their players if they have a meaningless game, and I can see the point there too. But this is what Don Cherry calls being battle-tough, and he always said he'd prefer to you know be the team that played the seven-game series than the one that swept in four and then had to sit around and wait Absolutely. for a while. And he liked to just keep going. I think you're right that the Flames, I can't understand their success that much, so I'm going to have to write it up to momentum, and they're going to lose their momentum if nothing else after 10 days off that that is weird the nhl shouldn't have that no that's too much of a break there shouldn't be any team that has that uh mandatory break immediately before or immediately after the all-star break that's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense that's just poor planning by the nhl but uh, i'm not going to complain here because i'm hoping that we finally start to see the real i understand that but i i think that it'll take them a week to get back to well, at least well they might not get it back and what they if, may not get that's right they may not get it back they might not get it back at all i i'm sure if you're the flames you if you are the flames you should be very upset at this you i really would be should. too you really I, should, especially yeah. i mean we take poke fun at them and and uh you know the floodplain flames and all that other stuff and i stay true to that but i would think bill peters would be very upset about a 10 break 10 day break especially the way they're playing right now oh just the all-star break is an inconvenient time but to have the other one back to back is crazy no uh, I think you're right, too. I can't see them uh, be having a great record uh, in the 10 or 20 games after the break. Okay. Um, Chris is very smart man, and um, his intelligence is the reason that we're at episode 296 of Unscripted. But he has... I, I'm going to give him a little homework today, and um, he's read some stuff about this guy, and it's all leading up to something I read about. And uh, obviously... This guy is really important. But I think Chris has found out or heard about Zion Williamson. Right now, probably on the inside track to win the Naismith Award, which is ultimately given every year to the College Basketball Player of the Year. He's a freshman at Duke. He's teamed up with a kid named R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, for Canadian fans, his son, or excuse me, he is, he is the son of Ronan Barrett, who had great international success here in Canada playing for Team Canada with Steve Nash back in the day. And um, But this R.J. Barrett was the number one ranked player 
in the in the high school ranks last year. He's number one. Number two was Zion Williamson. They both end up at Duke. Well, Williamson has taken the college basketball scene by storm this year. Um, I know Chris read something about uh, Jim Beheim, the esteemed coach from Syracuse, who won his one and only national championship years ago with a pinhead named Carmelo Anthony. But I digress because I'm not a Carmelo fan or a Jim Beheim fan. But Beheim himself has said that Zion Williamson reminds him a lot like a in-shape Charles Barkley. Uh, last night in Pittsburgh, uh, ACC game between Duke and the University of Pittsburgh, and Jay-Z shows up. Jay-Z the rapper. Now, I'm not familiar with Jay-Z's work. I know of Jay-Z because he's famous. I know of Jay-Z because he's a sports agent with his own sport agency business called Rock Something Nation. Um, he, he does represent some of the bigger athletes of the world. I don't know who they are right off the top of my head, but he is a sports agent now, certified licensed sports agent besides being a rapper, but his greatest attribute is he's married to Beyonce. I don't care what anybody says there either. Beyonce is a talented lady, folks, and she sure isn't. She is a... Uh, Nice sight on uh, on the eyes, too. She's a very attractive lady. Um, but he's at this Pitt-Duke game last night. What do you think Jay-Z was there for? <laughs> to sell some Brooklyn Nets merchandise? Yeah, that's it. There you go. Absolutely. Man's as smart as a tack. But Z- Zion Williamson, I think that Jay-Z was there to represent as a sports agent last night and get his foot in the door. But I will say this about Mr. Williamson. I love his athleticism. It's fun to watch him play basketball. He goes up and down the floor at breakneck speed and then jam- these ferocious dunks. I mean, he brings the it's like it's he's like a little Shaquille O'Neal out there. I remember when Shaquille O'Neal first came up with the Orlando Magic back in the early 90s, 1992, I think, or something like that. And he's physically breaking backboards cuz he's so damn big. Obviously, they have to reinforce backboards a little bit more now than they used to. But this Williamson kid, folks, is the real deal. He seemingly seemingly can do everything. Obviously, it's obviously to almost anybody that he'll be a one-year wonder. He'll play this one year at Duke, and then he'll go into the NBA draft. He's already being reported by a lot of these draft experts that he will be rated as the number one pro uh, prospect in next June's NBA draft. But I'm telling you right now, folks, the kid has got to watch what he eats. Because if you've seen him, and by the accounts of how popular Duke basketball is on both sides of the 49th parallel, um, we've all seen, if you're a college basketball fan, you've seen Williamson play basketball. He has a little still bit, a little bit of mama fat on him, I think. And if he doesn't watch that and maintain his weight and maintain and, and watch his eating habits, I think he will end up being a little bit like Charles Barkley, but Charles Barkley now versus Charles Barkley when Charles was doing what he was doing and uh, putting himself through a Hall of Fame career as a member of the Philadelphia 76ers and Phoenix Suns. Williamson has got to make sure that he maintains those strict programs because if he doesn't, he is going to get fat. I can tell you that right now. Anything that you've seen of Zion Williamson. 
Well, uh, Jay-Z has a song where he says he got pulled over because he was driving 55 in a 54. <laughs> and I'm assuming that he was speeding on his way to see Zion Williamson, as he should be. If he wants to sign this kid, this kid is the biggest star to come out of college basketball in a few years. Everyone knows his name, and that doesn't normally happen. I bet you, though, if Jay-Z, he probably has a place in New York, let's say. That's got to be like... New York. That's his song, too. Anyway, there we go. Never mind. I, I, my song for New York, New York was always Frank Sinatra. Of but course it was. Of yeah, course it of was. Course it was. Um, but I bet Jay Z probably took the private jet down to Pittsburgh. I bet he didn't drive. Well, I bet it was speeding too. Oh, well, for sure. It was. Oh no, but he could have told the limo driver to punch it on the way to the arena. <laughs> Right. But anyway, yeah, no, this kid is a big deal. I can tell because even I don't I don't remember the last time I was hyper aware of a college basketball player. If I really looked into it, well, uh, for sure. maybe checking sports sites, like looking like who's going to be drafted first overall. I'll specifically look at that or who are the top five guys for the NBA draft. I might look at that. But I have just I haven't been able to avoid hearing about Zion yeah. Williamson. I'm very aware of him. Lots of highlights all over the place and lots of different ones. Him scoring, him blocking, right. him shooting. Like I mean, just everything. Like this total kid package. Seems, he really seems like the total package. Uh, so yeah, I'm very aware of him. I will be surprised if he doesn't go first overall. And that's me not really doing any research so far on the upcoming draft this year. But uh, yeah, this this kid's a big deal. I would imagine that. Uh, jay-z would sign him if that's who he wants i think i think it was smart of jay-z to become a sports agent because he's just got the perfect sort of reputation in the right circles i think that was a really smart move by him uh, assuming it's something that he enjoys doing which i'm sure it is so uh yeah the, every agent wants to sign this kid for sure i think he is the next superstar but like you say depending on his fitness and his dedication to working out uh, that could determine if he's got the longevity to go along with the quality Halfway point as we welcome you into, if you're just joining us uh, here on episode number 296 of Unscripted, coming up on our 300th episode of Unscripted, and we hope to have some important and uh, some good news to share with you here in the very near future about that special episode. But um, I'd like to take a look, as as we mentioned earlier, uh, we were talking about we're now at the de facto with the All-Star break. We're at the de facto, even though we're well over 40 games in regard to National Hockey League teams, but we're at the de facto. On the schedule, we're at the halfway point of the National Hockey League season with with uh, the playing this weekend out in California, San Jose to be exact, uh, uh, with the playing of that All-Star game. But I'm wondering as we sit here, and I, I, I want to exclude Edmonton because we know that they have been a huge story and and it's not been a good story so far and hopefully the second half is better for the Oilers and for you obviously um but I'd like to think what your thoughts are and obviously if you'd like to chime in out there in unscripted land here's a great way to do it but if you were had the ability to make the votes who would be some of your nominees for like the heart the Vesna the the uh, the defenseman one that everybody I keep hearing is Mark Giordano is is the guy. I mean, he's going to be, he's in the running and, and he should be and all this other stuff. And obviously that's a local flavor because Chris and I happen to reside in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So we're going to hear a lot of Mark Giordano talk. And it happens when that kind of talk happens when over their last 31 games, the Calgary Flames are 21, 22 now with last night's win, overtime win. The Calgary Flames are now 22-4-5 and five over their last 31 games. So they start talking a little bit more. They start talking about, obviously, Goudreau for uh, 
the Norris, that's the defenseman trophy. And then they're talking about Goudreau as a possible MVP candidate because of what little Johnny, little boy blue has done up here in Calgary, leading the Calgary Flames to their 71 point first half of the season. So that's got to be the best goddamn the Calgary Flames have played since 89 when they won the Stanley Cup. I've got to believe. I don't know for sure. But, 04, I guess. But maybe 04, but for sure the 89 year when they finally won a Stanley Cup. But uh, what would be, if if you had a vote, let's make you the head Rocky writer at, uh, uh, I don't know, at the TSN, the, the Sporting News or whatever. Let's make you the head hockey writer. Who would, some names that you would throw out there for some of these respective big individual honors as we're sitting at the halfway point of this National Hockey League season? Well, the one that really jumps out to me is Marc-Andre Fleury for the Vezina Trophy. I mean, in Vegas, everyone is expecting, well, they can't do it again. And at the beginning of the season, they weren't looking that great. They're coming on strong now, especially at home. Uh, a lot of that's Fleury, just, uh, you know, you know, tossing out shutouts like they're uh, candy, you know. So uh, he's four wins ahead of everyone else, and he's been... Just unbelievable lights out. That was easily the most important pick in the expansion draft. Uh, and we can sit here and slobber all over George McPhee and all, and they oh, did yeah. a wonderful job. Yeah. And I love Vegas, and you love Vegas, and his boom bam and kumbaya. But the like you say, the the biggest acquisition that they ultimately made was being able to get Mark Andre Fleury because you with a good goaltender, and we saw that for years here with the floodplain flames. If you have a good goaltender like we did with Mika Kiprasov, you can cover up a lot of warts. That's for damn sure. Oh, absolutely. And so, and that actually brings me to my next point because another guy that you could put in the running is Robin Lehner in right. New York Islanders. But the reason I bring that up is because, like I say all the time, Don Cherry always said. You know, show me a great coach, I'll show you a great goaltender. Now, the Islanders have been a revelation despite losing John Tavares, but they got Barry Trotz, who's amazing, right? As we talked about, we were adamant about him being excellent. But now, so now is this more maybe Barry Trotz is doing a good job, but maybe he's gotten exceptionally good goaltending? Like Robin Lehner's goals against average is 2.02. Um, there's only one guy who's hardly played any games who's even like below 2.37. Like he's way ahead of everybody. So now is this because Trotz has the team just clicking on all cylinders or is he playing or both? Like it's hard to say, right? right? But I mean, you you have to give Robin Lehner some credit there. Now he just doesn't have a very big name. So you'd have to think Flurry's going to waltz to the Vezina. But seriously, Robin Lehner is crushing everybody in, in save percentage and goals against average. I mean, just the guy is unbelievable. So, and they're playing in—they're playing basically every day as a, as, an, as an away game because they're playing in two different places up in the New York area. They're playing at Old Veterans Coliseum. They're also playing at the Barclays Center, and then they've got their forty-one road games. So they're kind of like the San Diego slash LA slash Tijuana City Chargers. I was just going to say that. The other thing, by the way, before I forget, that makes Flurry stuff so uh, impressive is he's faced. Uh, more shots than anybody except for John Gibson and Anaheim. So he's wow. it's not like he's, you know, he's getting cruising, a couple good yeah. games. No, he is out there working his balls off. He's got six shutouts. No one else has more than three. I mean, seriously. I mean, the guy is just walking away with it. Uh, in terms of everything else, uh, it's so easy to look at scoring, but really, I think you have to look at Nikita Kucherov for the heart. I mean, Tampa Bay is, without a question, the best team in the NHL. I don't care what anyone's saying about Calgary and whatever. The Tampa Bay Lightning are head and shoulders above every other team in the NHL. As far as I'm concerned, he is leading the league in points. He's leading the league in assists. Uh, you know, he's always going to have 
Connor hot in his heels. Uh, we've got Johnny Gaudreau and Connor McDavid tied at 73 points. Kucherov at 78. So you got to put him in there. Uh, Miko Rantanen is doing amazing. He is really elevating the Colorado Avalanche. Remember, just two years ago, the Avalanche were, were terrible, the worst they had team. Had 49 points at the end of the year. They were significantly worse than even the worst Oiler team oh, yeah. over the last 15 years. It was they were so bad with with a lot of good players too. So that was really too bad. Um, and then, yeah, even if he's suspended for not playing games, though, I mean, the Rocket Richard, you can just give it to Ovechkin every year. I mean, he's got 36 goals. No one else has more than 30. It's just ridiculous at this point. He is, I still think that era adjusted, he's the greatest goal scorer of all time because he is over 600 goals. He is the only guy who's even in that stratosphere who hasn't played any time in the terrible era where all the goalies were horrible with small equipment and they weren't all six foot eight. They were five foot eight and whatever else. So I remember collecting hockey cards in 1990 and Uwe Krupp was six foot four and he was the tallest player in the league. Uwe Krupp, uh, Buffalo, Colorado. Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, but I think he played some time in Colorado. Uh, maybe later. at some point, but yeah. Especially it, when Wah was out there and they were winning cups. I don't remember. That, that name, he's from Germany, right? Something, it might be. I, yeah, I think so. But he yeah, was number he was, four for Colorado yeah. during the run. Was he? Okay, yeah, like in 89, Barnaby Joe was out there. and Burnaby Joe, yeah. Burnaby Joe, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. Um, Barnaby. Barnaby yeah. Jones. It used to be a TV show. Well, this is, and here's, by the way, I've always... Doesn't even care. Um, plus, <laughs> whatever. Hey, Burnaby Joe's classic. Hey, nothing against Joe Sackick. Don't get me wrong. One of the best ever. But uh, plus minus, it's like all flames, which is just weird, which I think a lot of people have really debunked the plus minus stat, and I think that does it right there. Flames are all plus minus. Well, you know, I will say right now, they play, and we've watched a lot of bad flames hockey over the years. And uh, but they play with a little bit more confidence than any coach I've seen in a while for the floodplain flames. And to have five guys over 50 points already this season uh, is quite an accomplishment. And here's the thing. They're doing it with a kid that has really has done a wonderful job between the pipes. And they didn't expect anything from Riddick at the beginning of the season. And he's totally supplanted Mike Smith. Mike Smith couldn't stop his grandmother on a shot. And we can we can poo-poo the flames, but I tell you one thing, if you're giving a Jack Adams consideration as coach of the year, Bill Peters has to be there because he's done yeah. something in this city, in fairness, regardless, he's done something in this city that uh, I don't think has been around here since Daryl Sutter was here in 2004, and that's they seem to play with a lot more confidence than they have under the last couple of regimes here in Calgary, for damn sure. Yeah, no, you're right. That's the one completely legitimate uh, flames thing uh, is that yeah, Bill Peters... Uh, yeah, yeah, at this point, I think you have to give them some credit. I still think uh, you're right that they're when they lose their momentum after a 10 day layoff, that they're, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to get that back. But man, I think uh, I'd hate to not, I, I'd love to not give him any credit, but I don't think I can. Yeah, I think <laughs> he, he has to be in the running there. But uh, really, any team that's doing well, I think, has to be for sure. And uh, yeah, so that's just sad to say, but I guess he does deserve it. Um, I think there's some prizes. I think we could talk about some surprises so far, too, in the first half of the season in regard to overall teams' play. Obviously, nobody expected the Los Angeles Kings with all their talent. They've had some issues, obviously, some injuries, uh, but who really? And I, I think, obviously, uh, our buddy Ryan would uh, probably have a whole laundry list of problems involving the Los Angeles Kings these days, but. Who expected them to be in last place? 
overall in the National Hockey League, not in the Pacific Division, not in the Western Conference. Los Angeles, to my recollection, is in last place in the National Hockey League. Uh, they are. They have now moved ahead of uh, New Jersey in 30th and Ottawa in 31st. Uh, okay, but let's look at those last. Let's look at those teams in the last five. Mm-hmm. Who would have expected the teams that dominated hockey in the early 2010s? The Los Angeles Kings and the Chicago Blackhawks are both in the last five in the overall standings in the National Hockey League. And the Philadelphia Flyers, who played in one of those Stanley Cup finals in right. around 2010 as well. And then, yeah, the Devils, who we thought were getting way better, and Taylor right. Hall has the MVP season right. last year. Right. Uh, Ottawa in last place is not a surprise. Uh, Ottawa has been screwed from the beginning because of their owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground. And uh, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances in Ottawa, but the biggest problem in Ottawa happens to be Eugene Melnick. But Buffalo was a surprise there, winners of 10 in a row. Then they lost a number of a row. Uh, Miami still sucks. That's not a big surprise. Um, St. Louis, is that a surprise this year as we sit here at the halfway point? Uh, they've already fired their coach. They haven't gotten better much under Craig Berube, even though Berube's press conferences are a joy to watch. He's unbelievably honest. Hey, guys, we suck. Next question. <laughs> we can't do the power play. We can't do the penalty kill. We can't score goals. Our goaltending sucks. We suck. Next question. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I remember him as a goon for the Flyers, though. That's all is, right. is Minnesota a disappointment this year? I mean, they seem to have a lot of talent. I agree with you, and I know that you don't have any love loss for their goaltender, Devin Dubnik, but <laughs> fuck, you know, I mean, uh, I could look probably good in front of that defensive core. I mean, really. I mean, so a lot of interesting stories. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. The one thing that we need to remember is that at one time, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a big lead over everybody, and now those pesky little floodplain flames have gotten within five points of them. Yeah, but no one else is within ten points of them. Right. So, I mean, and Calgary's not in the same conference as them. No, but I'm just saying, it. if you're looking at, like we always like to say, and I take the cue from you, our power rankings, which I, you know, i.e. is the standings. The standings right now have, if you're to believe those, Calgary and Tampa Bay, a redo of the 2004 Stanley Cup Championship, won by the Flyers in seven games, or won the by Lightning. the Lightning in seven games. Oh, man, I I just... You know what? And you're going to find this funny, but this is me, the cynic me. I still remember game one of the 2004 Stanley Cup Final in whatever the hell they call that barn down in, in Tampa with empty seats for a Stanley Cup Finals game. Sure. That pissed me off. Still oh, yeah. pisses me off. Oh, yeah, sure. That's ridiculous. That's one of the great sporting events that I've ever had the honor of going to, which is Stanley Cup Finals, a game of the Stanley Cup Finals, and you got empty seats. Screw you, Tampa. Tampa would sweep the Flames. I'm there. The Flames are not in the same. I don't care. I, I, no, I, I know I'm biased, but Tampa no, no. is so far ahead of everybody else. And Tampa was here a month ago and beat the Flames yeah. on home ice. Yeah. Beat them pretty good. Um, Tampa's Tampa's head and shoulders above everybody. I get that. I get that. They're 13 points ahead of the Islanders for... Second place? Yeah, Islanders are in second. Tampa has 76 points. Next, you have the Islanders at 63, and then Toronto and Washington at 60. No one else even has 60. You know what? you uh, you got to put Barry Trotz in that conversation for Jack Adams. Yes, you do. You're losing... Yes, you do. You're losing Tavares. You're coming into a situation where every game, and I've just said this five minutes ago, every game's a road game, basically. You're playing in a different arena every night. And Barry Trotz, without Tavares, comes up there. And this team has been as hot as anybody over the last 
four to six weeks. And they've gotten up to second place in the East. Barry Trotz is a hell of a hockey coach, and I hope that that moron owner in Washington realizes that now, that he should have paid for him and kept him in Washington. That'll be one of the biggest reasons why Washington will not, will not repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And uh, that is the other one that really stands out. Uh, I think it will come down to Bill Peters against Barry Trotz. Uh, and then maybe you just give it to whoever else is top, like Tampa or whatever, too, as a as a as that. But I don't like when they just give the best team the coach of the year I automatically. Agree. It should, it should I, be where you see, like, oh, Flames or Islanders are surprisingly good. Like, why is that? And, yeah. and I think, yes, the Islanders, like the Flames are just the same as they've always been. But the Islanders were just supposed to be, yeah, for all those reasons you said, they're just supposed to be like nothing. Like, I don't think anybody would have been surprised if the Islanders were in dead last in the league this year. I don't think any that would have. Why would that have surprised anybody? One topic before we get out of here and we'll keep it short, but I have to make mention of this because it just makes my stomach turn. And I know that my Los Angeles Lakers have been in a tailspin real quickly on the NBA because there isn't anything to talk about until LBJ is back in the lineup. That's all we need to say. But without LBJ, since the groin problem that happened on Christmas Day, the the uh, when, uh, when the when that injury happened, and after they beat the Golden State Warriors that day, the the uh, Lakers were in fourth position in the NBA's Western Conference. As we sit here today, the twenty third, I believe, of January, they're on the ninth position, so they're out of the playoffs. Looking, they're on the outside looking in, to my recollection. They're eight or nine. I think it's nine. Doesn't matter. They're not making the playoffs if LBJ is, has to take another month off. But this is how times have become so desperate for Magic Johnson and Rob Pelinka, the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, is that supposedly, supposedly, the Lakers have contacted the representatives of Carmelo Anthony. Because remember, the Lakers are without LBJ. Um, they're without, well, it doesn't really matter, but they've lost now Lonzo Ball for another month or so with an ankle injury. They've been, they've been, they've had a few injuries. Rajon Rondo, Rondo comes back on Thursday. Not like he'll make a damn big difference, but at least they're getting some healthy bodies back. But the Lakers supposedly have contacted representatives of Carmelo Anthony to gauge his interest of coming to play in Los Angeles with LBJ. That makes me sick. <laughs> Sacrifice the playoffs. Keep Carmelo Anthony off your freaking roster. He does nothing good anymore. He never played defense, and now he can't shoot. So why would you bring him to your team? He's going to be a problem because he's not going to get enough shots, and then he'll start bitching. And when he starts bitching, he's even a bigger pain in the ass on the team. That's a history going back to his one year at Syracuse when, unfortunately, he was part of a national championship team with Bayheim at Syracuse. But he has been a pain in the ass for every year he's been in the league, he never played defense, and now if he doesn't get shots, he's going to bitch about that, and because he doesn't make shots anymore, he's not going to get shots anymore. The Lakers do not need to break up whatever chemistry that they have. They're going through a tough spell. You take the best player in the National Basketball Association out of your lineup, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. But please don't contact Carmelo Anthony. And if you have contacted Carmelo Anthony, tell him to lose your number. Please don't let Carmelo Anthony come to Los Angeles. If he wants to go play for the Clippers, that's fine. The Clippers suck. But please, we've made such progress. We've got salary cap room for a couple of big-time free agents next year. Let's worry about that. Let's not ruin it. You're, nothing good happens if Carmelo Anthony is wearing gold and purple here in the next week or 10 days. 
Yeah, the Lakers remind me of the Oilers here. Best player in the world right now, and then a bunch of other stuff. And somehow that one player is making them still, you know, contending for the playoffs. Uh, outside looking in, but still possible. Uh, fairly, you know, reasonably possible, especially with any sort of winning streak coming up. But uh, and this is a little tease for Freeform Friday, which is coming up next. But uh, I was just looking at Twitter, and I had looked at this a few days ago, and I saved it. But uh, there's an there's a Twitter account called Someone's an Idiot at Someone's an Idiot, <laughs> and they they go and they look for stupid plays in sports that some idiot did. And so this one was funny. I don't know if you saw this on the news or anything, but Michael Beasley tried to check into the game wearing his oh practice my shorts. God, yes. And then of course we had, uh, and of course then the, the the you know the timekeepers are like, hey, you can't go in the game like that. And so you have to run back. We're like, oh, I didn't realize, you know. And so of course Clay Travis at Clay Travis said Lakers can't even put their pants on without LeBron, and that's about <laughs> where the Oilers are at with McDavid too. So yeah, Carmelo Anthony is the last thing that's the, the last Lakers thing. need right now. Desperate times call for desperate never measures, but bringing in Carmelo Anthony, that's a couple rungs lower than desperate. That's stupidity is what that is. He will undermine Luke Walton. He will undermine everybody. He will be a cancer on the team, and you don't need that right now. I just, please, that's my personal thing. I'll sacrifice the playoffs for a sixth year in a row because there are better things coming on down the road. And uh, Carmelo Anthony does not represent those better times coming down the road. He is just a problem. Please let him sink into, let him go play in that three-on-three league. He'd be perfect. The guy who runs it, the the little gangster rapper guy that runs the three, what the hell's his name? Um, Drake? I don't no, know. not Drake. I don't know. Who There's a uh, Ice Cube. Oh, does he? He runs the big th- the the three-on-three league. Oh, and he has invited Carmelo. He says Carmelo. Can play in our league. I hope Carmelo plays for LeVar Ball's league in front of 50 people. (laughs) In Lithuania. (laughs) We've got to run on this 296th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, Freeform Friday is coming up. I hope that uh, you're going to stay around and listen to that. It's always a lot of fun. And uh, for the rest of our regular listeners, thank you as always. We truly appreciate it. And again, hopefully you'll visit our Patreon page and become a member of our green and gold package. And then you too can enjoy Freeform Friday with us here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.